0: Now I will tell you that the Lord gave me this message a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing to go to Oklahoma for the youth rally and the closer we got to that youth rally the stronger I felt this message for that rally and here tonight in this service we've got two folks that were in that service and so they get to hear a repeat tonight. And um, I don't apologize for that, because I really felt, as I said yesterday, that the Lord laid it on my heart that this is what I needed to do tonight. So again, if this doesn't apply to you, don't try to figure out to whom it does apply. Just take it to heart, and uh, you know, we can even be as the disciples that when the Lord said, somebody's going to betray me, they said, Lord, is it I? And they just started checking their own spirit, their own heart. It's amazing. None of them were saying, Lord, is it Judas? None of them were pointing their finger at someone else. They were all examining their own hearts and just wanting to make sure. Amen. That's the way I always want to be with the preaching of the Word. I don't ever want to sit there and say, well, he's picking on me. Well, I'm going to tell you, if he's picking on me, I probably need it. I need somebody to help me. That's the way I feel. I want to be saved, church. I want to be saved. Whatever it takes, whatever the cost, I want to be saved. And God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Would you turn with me tonight Turn with me tonight to Acts chapter 7 and verse 54, we're going to start there. Now I will tell you, I feel about like I did this morning and believe it or not this morning I went through almost nine pages of notes and we finished early and I don't have nearly that much tonight and so we may get out really early. And I've never had anybody complain about that. Um, So, we'll see, we'll see. Acts chapter 7 and beginning with verse number 54. Acts 7 and verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, He fell asleep. Now, we know that man divided these books into chapters. This story is really not over. And so we're going to continue reading in chapter 8 and verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. I will announce my title in a few moments, but I want to call your attention tonight to the two main characters that are introduced to us in Acts 7 and Acts 8. First of all, the man Stephen, we're going to talk about him. For a little while tonight, and then this man Saul, we know later became the Apostle Paul. We want to talk about Saul prior to his conversion, before he was changed, before he was transformed. And we're going to talk about him tonight. Amen. I want you to put your Bibles down. I really do feel the touch of God right now. And though my voice is not strong, I'm feeling this in my spirit tonight. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices, and let's ask God to help us tonight. Let's ask God to speak to hearts tonight. God, they belong to you, and I want to speak tonight as the oracle of God. Help me, Lord, to deliver the word of the Lord to this church and to any that may hear this message. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts, Lord, that your word could do the work that it's sent to do. Oh, Lord Jesus, we ask for your help and your anointing tonight. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's worship him again, everybody. name, in Jesus name. Church, I'm calling on you tonight to help me. Would you do that? I'm not feeling the best and I'm telling you your amens and your hallelujahs, your worship, your response can really help me tonight in so many ways and I need your help. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's begin tonight by talking about This man, Stephen, Stephen was a young preacher who declared the truth without fear or favor. Amen. The first glimpse we get of Stephen is actually in Acts chapter 6 when the apostles found themselves so busy they couldn't do everything that needed to be done. And so they said, we need to choose out some men. We need to find some people that can help us to carry this load. Amen. Amen. And uh, most scholars believe that these men were what Paul would later refer to as deacons. Now the the world has Twisted that term and uh, they've tried to make deacon into some kind of a board member that has controlling power within the church. I don't find that in the scripture anywhere. These men didn't have controlling power. These men were servants that were doing the menial tasks to free up the apostles that they might give themselves more holy to prayer and to the word of God. Right. Amen. Amen. And I, I just want to tell you tonight, I, I would today. God that more people would understand. I believe there is a calling for deacons. I believe there's a calling for people to just help serve in the church. They don't have to be a preacher. They don't have to have a title. They don't have to go out and start a church somewhere. But if they can learn to just lift the hands of the ministry and make the ministry's job a little bit easier and his load a little bit Lighter, I'm telling you, God has got a calling for people like that. Yes, sir. They are invaluable. Now, when the Bible introduces us to Stephen, as I said, it's among these that that uh, the the uh, the scholars call the deacons, and we read about him in Acts chapter six and verse number
1: five. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus. And- yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to read all
0: those other names. I, I, I said it the other night when he was reading for me in Oklahoma. I don't know why they didn't choose Bill and John and Joe, but they got all these other names here that are hard for us to pronounce. But what we do see is that they chose Stephen. And the Bible says this about Stephen. He was a man full of of faith and he was full of the holy ghost hallelujah we're not talking about a bad man We're not talking about some man that's walking around with a chip on his shoulder. We're not talking about somebody that's doing a lot of wicked stuff or a man that's a hypocrite. We're talking about a man that the Bible says was full of faith and he was full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just a few verses later, the Bible talks about him again in verse number eight.
1: And Stephen, full of faith and power.
0: He was full of faith. There it is again. And he was full of power did great
1: works he did
0: great wonders and miracles among the people amen again we're we're talking about a good man we're talking about somebody that was interested in doing the work of God he doesn't seem to be somebody that's trying to climb a social ladder or trying to get the attention of others you understand the church of Jerusalem at this time numbered well into the thousands they could have chosen anybody but they reached down and picked a man by the name of Stephen because this man was full of faith he was full of the Holy Ghost he was full of power and when he would go out and do his witnessing and do his door knocking and talk to people about the
1: truth the Bible says this in verse 10 And they were not able to resist. They were not able to resist. The wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Now
0: this phrase, not able to resist, implies that they could not adequately respond to his presentation of the truth. Amen. What? When I look this up, what they're saying is, he'd get out there and start telling them the truth about it, and they couldn't come up with a good answer. They couldn't find a way to back this man into a corner he knew his stuff he had it together he was able to present it they were not able to resist first of all they weren't able to resist his wisdom and they weren't able to resist the spirit by which he spake now I, I want you to notice they're not talking here about the Holy Ghost they're talking about the spirit he possessed while he was doing it I, i've listen i've i've seen a whole lot of it especially among among uh, among uh, uh conservative churches folks might know the truth but they sure slap people around with it i'm telling you if we're not careful among conservatives we start sizing everybody up we want, to, we want to make sure everybody crosses every T and dots every I. But something about Stephen, he didn't have an ugly attitude about it. He wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. He didn't have a holier-than-thou uh, philosophy about himself. He had a spirit about him that they just couldn't fight against. They couldn't find a reason to put a finger on him. He had it up here and he had it down here. Amen. Amen. One commentator said that this phrase, the spirit by which he spake, meant the energy, the power, the ardor of Stephen. He evinced a spirit of zeal and sincerity which they could not withstand which served more than mere argument could have done to convince the people that he was right. His spirit said even more than his words were able to say. Well, that's a message for another night. Hallelujah. Because it's not just about telling people the truth, but it's about doing it in love. The apostle Paul said, speak the truth in love. Speak it in love, my old pastor used to say, if you're going to tell me, if you've got to tell me that I'm going to hell, tell me, but don't laugh about it. Don't make fun of me for it. Tell me with tears in your eyes and let me know you care and you don't want me going there. Right. Something about Stephen, he, he not only knew the scriptures, but he had a right attitude. And I'm going to tell you, a man like that's extremely effective. He's very effective. In so much that the Jews decided we got to do something about him. We can't come up with arguments sufficient to show people that he's wrong. He can back us into a corner. We we can't argue with what he says. And we can't tell people that he's got a bad attitude. Because he doesn't have a bad attitude. So we got to find some way to stop him. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is just me, but I don't, think, I don't think the Jews came up with this attitude on their own. I think the real problem was the devil didn't like what Stephen was doing. The devil didn't like the fact that Stephen was so effective in, in his delivery in his spirit and the devil knew we got to do something to stop this man as soon as we can and so you know what people do amen you know what they do when they can't win an argument with their thoughts they're going to attack the messenger when they can't prove him wrong by his words they're going to go against him as a person And so what these Jews did is they decided they would attack him personally. Or actually, it's more accurate to say they hired others to attack him. They weren't willing to do it themselves.
1: They hired someone else. Listen to verse 11, Acts 6, verse 11. Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God.
0: They suborned men. You see that that word suborned basically means to pay someone to lie about someone else. They hired somebody. They said, we're not going to lie on him ourselves, but we'll pay you to do it. And so they gave them money. To come and say that Stephen was blaspheming Moses and blaspheming God. Now, it wasn't true. We know it wasn't true, but they hired men to say it. Eventually, their argument brought him before the high court uh, of the Jews. And he was asked to answer for the charges of blasphemy against Moses and the law which had been made against him. And in response, good old brother Stephen, I feel a kindred spirit with brother Stephen because I'm telling you if you look at Acts chapter 7, what you're going to find is Stephen was another long-winded preacher. That's right. You just look at it. Look at it in your Bible and see and find out that that he starts. I'm telling you, when he starts preaching, now he's being accused of blaspheming Moses. But when he starts preaching, he says in verse 2 Men and brethren, the glory of God appeared to Abraham. Now he's going to get to Moses eventually. But he's going to start with Abraham and work his way there. Hallelujah. And he starts this message in verse 2. And I'm telling you, he's still preaching when he gets down to verse 53. And what a message he preached. He took them through their history. Amen. And he concluded his message with the following words. Acts chapter 7 verses
1: 51 to 53. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcified. Oh, boy,
0: he's He's now, now he's feeling his oats. I mean, he's starting out calling them brethren, men and brethren, hearken. Men and brethren, you know what our father said. And I'm telling you, he's being sweet, loving, and kind. But before it's over with, he gets down to brass tacks. You stiff-necked. And uncircumcised in hearts and ears you do always you always the resist the Holy Ghost As your fathers just did, like your
1: fathers did so do, you. so do you read which of the prophets which of the prophets your did your fathers not persecute and they have slain them they slew, slew every one of them which showed before of the coming of Je- of the just one yes and of. Of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. Betrayers and murderers. Who have received the law. law You received the law
0: by the disposition disposition of angels. And have and have not kept it. Now, he's not preaching to gamblers, prostitutes, and alcoholics. He's preaching to the Jewish religious leaders. And he said... You got the law by the disposition of angels and you haven't kept it. Their biggest pride was that they were circumcised. And he said you might be circumcised in the flesh, but your heart's not circumcised and your ears are not circumcised. Your stiff neck, which we could say you're a bunch of hard headed people. You don't want to listen to anybody. You kill every preacher that comes your way. If they get on you, you want to destroy them. That's what he's saying. And you can imagine that didn't sit very
1: well. They
0: didn't like that
1: too well. So
0: verse 54
1: says, And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth.
0: And it's amazing. They were cut to the heart. Same thing that happened to the people on the day of Pentecost. They were cut to the heart or pricked in their heart. But they said, what shall we do? This group, when they're cut to the heart, they get mad. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now, that doesn't mean that they literally were biting him. Another translation says, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. They were so mad. They were grinding their teeth together. I'm telling you, they were fuming. They were furious. But the thing about this story is, as their anger towards him became more obvious, so did God's favor. Toward him. Because while they're really getting mad, the Bible says God opened the heavens. And Stephen had a vision. And he looked up and he saw Jesus. At the right hand of God, not Jesus and God, but Jesus with all of God's power and majesty. And this is what he's seeing. Now, they're mad at him for preaching Jesus in the first place. And he's just called him a bunch of hard-headed murderers. And now he says, I see Jesus with all of God's power. And they sure didn't take well to that. And so here's what happened. Verses 57 to 59.
1: Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon and him. And they ran upon him with one accord. And cast him they out. They took him the out of the city. And stoned him. And they started throwing rocks at him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young now,
0: man's feet. Now, we're going to come back to this. But they laid down their clothes at a young man's
1: feet. Whose name was Saul. Whose name was Saul. And they, Stephen. and they
0: stoned Stephen calling upon God and, and he was calling on God saying
1: Lord Jesus which
0: again this tells us he didn't see two persons because when he called on God he didn't say Father and Son Right. when he called on God he called him Jesus yes. Lord Jesus receive my spirit and so it's during this terrible event that we are introduced to this second important figure Saul of Tarsus as we just read he was described at this point as a young man he's just a young man and he's there the witnesses are laying down their clothes at his feet now I want you to notice something tonight stay with me because I'm just now getting to where I want to go I want you to notice Everyone else was throwing stones. Saul was not. I don't read where Saul picked up one rock. Saul was filling a different position. He was doing something different. They were laying down their clothes at his feet. He was not physically involved in the killing of this good man. All he was doing was watching over the outer garments of those who were doing the killing. Now, when the Bible says they laid their their clothes down at his feet, let me explain that to you uh, in in this period in history. They always wore two sets of garments: they had their inner garments and their outer garments. Their, their outer garments were much more tight fitting and, and uh, uh, kept them uh, uh, really prohibited from being able to run as they needed to or to do other physical activities. And so when they really wanted to get busy, if they were going to run or they're going to be involved in something that took a lot of strength, they would lay aside the outer garment and that would free them up. To where they could do what they needed. They'd have the mobility that they needed. Without the binding of that outer garment. Now the killers. Think about this. The killers. They could have just loosened that outer garment. But they took it off. And they laid it at Saul's feet. While they ran to Stephen. And stoned him. Do you understand what's involved? When a crowd starts throwing rocks at somebody at close range. Do you understand the amount of blood that's going to be splattered everywhere? Do you understand just how grotesque this is about to get? And I'm going to tell you that with this crowd, one of the reasons they took that outer garment off was because they didn't want the outer garment To show the evidence of what they had just done. They could stone this man. They could brutally put him to death. And their inner garments be covered with blood. But brother Chad when they went back and picked up the outer garment. And they put it on. It covered all of that blood. And everything they had just done was hidden to everybody they'd meet on their way home they were able to cover for the horrible sin they had just committed because the outer garment still looked clean the reason it looked clean is because they had a man willing to hang on to their outer garments and keep them clean for them while he didn't get involved he sure enabled The killers. And so Acts chapter 8 verse 1 says this about Saul's involvement in Stephen's death.
1: And Saul was consenting. And Saul was what? Consenting.
0: He was what? And this is where I want to give you my title tonight. I want to tell you Saul was not killing Stephen. He was just consenting. My title tonight is Not Killing, Just Consenting. Not Killing, Just Consenting. Amen. Even after his conversion, this is the way that Saul described his role. Acts 22
1: and verse 20. And when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by. I was standing by. And, consenting and
0: I was his consenting, his consenting unto his death. Kept the and I kept them. the raiment of them that slew him this word consenting means to approve together with others to agree to or even to applaud so I'm telling you Saul did not physically participate in the killing of a good man but Saul was just as much to blame as those who did the killing he stood by and let them do their dastardly deed he stood by and allowed them to cover their sin while they're destroying a good man he knew what they were doing and in his heart he was applauding them but he could walk away and say I didn't kill him I didn't do it I didn't throw a rock Hallelujah. I wonder tonight how many people have been in the same place as Saul that you've stood by while your brother or your sister has been slaughtered by the words of another. And you didn't say anything and you didn't stop it. You didn't raise a hand. What you did do was you allowed them to walk away from that conversation and keep it hidden from everybody else. You didn't report it to the people that needed to know. You didn't go to the ones who needed to understand what was really taking place. And I want to tell you that by doing that, you became an accomplice to the crime. You may not have been killing, but you were consenting. Help me tonight, Jesus. Let me show you another example. And this is another man by the name of Saul. Not the same Saul, but this was the Saul of the Old Testament. The first king of Israel. Let me set the stage for you before we start reading this passage. David has been running for his life from king Saul and David makes his way to the tabernacle to the house of God and he sees the priest there and he said I need something to eat my men and I have not eaten have you got anything and the priest said all we have is the holy bread the show bread and it's reserved for the priest and David said but we're starving and the priest said well if you've kept yourself morally clean then I'll let you have some of this bread And so he gave it to David And David said do you at all have a sword here And he said the only sword in this place Is the sword of Goliath And David said there's no sword Like that one give it to me Now let me just remind you David was the rightful owner of that sword David's the one who captured that sword David's the one that put Goliath to death And then took the sword and cut off Goliath's head with it. David was the rightful owner. David was not taking this sword so that he could go on the offense against Saul. He was only keeping it for his own defense. And the priest agreed and gave David the sword. Now that would be fine had it not been for a certain man that was standing there that day and overheard the conversation. He was an Edomite, one of the enemies of Israel. But he had allied himself with King Saul. And here he was. He was at the tabernacle that day and he overheard the conversation. And he took what he heard and twisted it when he went back to Saul now he did hear david asking for the sword he did see the priest give david the sword all of that's true but he put his own spin on it as to why david would want that sword and as to why the priest would give it to him are you hearing me tonight and so Doeg wasted no time in running to Saul to spread the gossip. Deuteron- I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 9 read.
1: Then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of
0: Jesse coming to Nob.
1: To Ahimelech the, to son, Ahimelech, of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitah. And he inquired of the Lord before, uh, for him and gave him victuals and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Now,
0: now look at what he's saying. He's trying to paint the priest. Well, David is the priest's little pet. The priest has taken care of David against you, Saul. The priest has taken sides with your enemy. That's not what's going on at all. The priest didn't even know that this battle was raging. The priest was not even aware of what was happening. And as far as he knew, David was just the king's son-in-law. And why shouldn't he give David a sword that belonged to David? But Doeg wanted to twist what happened. Because he was out to destroy David, he had a motive behind it. He said the priest inquired of God for David, gave David something to eat, gave David a sword. Verse 11.
1: Then the king sent to call Ahimelech like the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house and the, the priests that were in Nob. And they came all of them to the king. Isn't this is interesting?
0: He didn't just stop with Ahimelech. He said, I want you to bring all of his family here too. It's not enough just to get the priest here i want all of his family present all his father's house and all the priests that are there and all of them came to the king read
1: saul said here now the son of a high tub and he answered here i am my lord and saul said unto him why have you why have you me? conspired against me thou and the son of jesse In that thou hast given him bread and a sword and hast inquired of God for him that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this day. Now, look,
0: I don't want to bore you with all this. but, But number one, why is Saul so worried about somebody asking God for direction? Why does that bother him so much? I'll tell you why, because Saul knows deep in his heart That God's already turned against him and put his favor on David. And he doesn't want David to have God's help. I'm just telling you the truth tonight.
1: Read. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son in law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me, let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more.
0: So so the priest tells him, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even have any idea what this is about, Saul. All I know is this, there's nobody as faithful to you as David is. That's all I know. He's your son-in-law. He's loyal to you. What are you even talking about? But Saul had it made up in his mind that the priest was against him and Saul determined he was going to take vengeance.
1: Read. And the king said, Thou shalt, thou surely, shalt die surely die, Ahimelech, Ahimelech thou and, thou and all your father's house. And the king said to the, the footman, said Turn Turn. slay the priests of the Lord. Lord. Because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. But the servants of the king king would not put their their hand to fall upon the 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 priests of the Lord. Now I'm going to
0: tell you for years I thought it was a wonderful thing that these servants did what they did. And they are to be commended. You know these are Saul's servants. Saul could have put them to death. He told them to kill the priest and they said, we will not touch God's men. We're not going to do it, King. They stood up for what was right. And I have to applaud them for that. But there's something else here that I noticed in all of this. That's verse 17. Read verse 18.
1: And the king, Doeg, the king said to Doeg, turn thou, turn thou and fall, and upon, the fall upon the priests. And Doeg the Edomite Doeg turned. The Edomite turned. And he fell, upon he the fell on the priests. And he slew on that day, and he and he on on that day 85 men that, did that wore
0: the linen ephod. Now, let me tell you something. How did one man kill 85? It wasn't with one swoop of the sword. It took him time to kill all 85 of them. And here's where my problem is, Brother Jerry. These servants of Saul wouldn't kill the priests themselves. But at any point, while Doeg was doing what he was doing, they could have stood up and said, stop it. We're not going to allow you to touch God's anointed. We're not going to let you destroy God's man. At any point, these, these footmen could have stopped. Doeg did it single-handedly. And the servants of Saul could have stopped them at any point. I submit to you tonight, these servants may not have been killing, but they were consenting. They were giving their consent to let it be done. Go ahead and do it. We won't do it. We know it's not right to do it, but if you want to do it, we're not going to stop you. I believe there's a whole lot of saints that developed that same attitude. I'm not going to say anything bad. But when others start running my brother or sister down, when others start when others start slandering my pastor, my pastor's wife, or family. I'm not saying it. I'm not guilty. But you're not stopping it either. Are you hearing me tonight? I told you, I look across the crowd and say, "God, why tonight but I'm telling you God knows why tonight God knows why tonight and somewhere this message is going to fall into the hands of somebody that needs to hear what I'm saying tonight I believe there's a whole lot of people in the apostolic ranks that have never themselves been guilty of destroying another but they sure are guilty of standing by and letting it happen Well, that's my friend. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt them. They stood by me when I was in trouble. They were there when I was hurting. I'm not going to stand up and tell them they're wrong. I want to tell you something, honey. If they'll run somebody else down, they'll turn on you. And one day they're going to run you down just like they are. The person you're letting them destroy right now. And you think... You think they're being your friend. But I've got to ask, why would you want to be friends with a murderer? Why would you want to run with people? I've had people say, you don't know how many times I've had to defend you among my friends. Well, I want to know, why are you running with that group? I appreciate the defense. But if you're constantly having to defend me, you're with the wrong crowd. Hallelujah. If you're always having to tell them to stop talking about something, and I'm not just talking about the ministry tonight. I'm talking about anybody in the church. We've got to be careful, saints of God. I'm telling you, the devil loves to use our mouths and our tongues. When he can't get us to pick up a cigarette or he can't get us to get on the internet and look at pornography, he sure can get many of us to start running our brothers and our sisters down and finding fault with them and saying all the things that they're doing wrong. God help us tonight. And while we may not be the ones doing it, we may very well, we may very well be guilty of consenting to it. You know, I've said over and over, and I've never yet had anybody take me up on it, but I've said I've got a surefire cure for gossip. It will fix the problem. The minute somebody starts running someone else down, pick up your cell phone and dial my number and say, now I'm calling the pastor. Pastor. Either you're going to tell him what you just said or I am. And you know what will happen? They'll quit
1: gossiping to you. Proverbs
0: 26.20
1: says this. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases.
0: Where there is no wood... The fire's going to go out. Can I, and I'm not trying to add to or take away from the scripture, but I just want to put a little side note in there. I think I'm safe in saying that where there's no listener, the gossip ceaseth. The only reason there can be gossip is because somebody's listening to it. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want you to consider for me, just a moment, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19, the Bible gives us God's most hated things, the things that God despises more than anything. Now look, we'll hoop and holler when I get up and preach homosexuality is an abomination, and we ought to, because it is an abomination. Witchcraft is an abomination, but these six things God really hates. Seven make Him sick. Let's read Proverbs chapter six, verses sixteen to nineteen.
1: These six things doth the Lord hate; yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. Uh huh. Proud, proud look. A proud look. Lying tongue. A
0: lying tongue.
1: And hands that. Hands in that life.
0: shed. Innocent blood,
1: a heart that devises
0: wicked imaginations, feet that are swift in running to mischief.
1: A false witness that speaks lies. lies. And he that sows
0: discord among brethren. Let me ask you something. Think with me a moment. When a person's character is assassinated, how many of these abominations are being committed in that one act? Well, I want to tell you, at least six, for the most part, Because usually, usually uh, when somebody's doing this, you can definitely say a lying tongue. You can say that they're shedding innocent blood. They're devising wicked imaginations. They are running to mischief. They're bearing false witness. And even if none of those are true, They are sowing discord among brethren. And I'm going to tell you, most of the time, gossip is because of abomination number one, really. A proud look. Because you want to tear others down to make yourself look better. It's a sad day when somebody can commit seven abominations. And a saint of God will just stand by and let it happen. Help me tonight. Come on, church. I'm trying to reach for somebody. They may not be here in this service tonight. But I'm sure preaching my heart tonight. I'm going to tell you. Something's got to happen around here. In 2020. We're going to have to really come together. We're going to have to start defending one another. We can't let people stand around. And destroy others. uh, And talk about others. uh, And spread lies about others. That's what the devil wants to happen. That's the way he'll destroy the church. But if we'll let something Rise up in our hearts, and we'll stand up and say, No, I'm not going to hold your coat while you assassinate somebody else. If you refuse to put an end to the gossip, the strife, and the division in the church, you're just as guilty. As the ones that are causing it. I'm telling you. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs. In which we find ourselves today. Y- you all know. You all know. You've seen. You've seen uh, the news clips. You've seen. That that's a fight can break out. People can be kicking someone to death. And rather than anybody stop them. They all just have their phones out. Video and the whole thing. Not one person will raise a hand to say, what are you doing? They just want it on video. Some years ago, I had somebody bring me a video. Some of our young people got in a fight, and they had it on video. they, They wanted me to go jump on these young kids that were fighting. And my question was, why was your kid standing there holding the video camera? Why didn't they stop it? Oh, why didn't, if they didn't feel like they could, why didn't they come get me? I'm not defending the kids that are fighting. But there's something wrong with a parent who thinks it's okay for their child to just videotape it and not intervene. Come on, church. I'm telling you, this is the mindset that we're having to live with today. We're not going to get involved. We're not going to do anything about it. We're going to let people die. We're going to let people be beat. We're going to let people be destroyed. I don't want to get my hands dirty in this. But you need to stop and think about something. Listen to the words of our Lord. Matthew 25 Verses 41 to 46.
1: Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was an hungered, and he gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw thee in hungered or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee, then shall he answer? Then shall he them, answer them, saying, Verily I say Truly I tell you
0: Inasmuch as, in as, not, much as you what did it not Did it not
1: to one of the least, of these,
0: of, the least of these did it
1: not You did it not to me Read. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. They'll go to everlasting punishment. But but the righteous righteous into life
0: eternal. eternal. Now I want you to notice something. He didn't punish these people for the bad things they did. He punished them for their refusal to do what was right. It wasn't what they did that caused them to go into everlasting punishment. It's what they didn't do they saw someone hungry and wouldn't help them they saw someone sick and would not heal them they saw somebody in prison and would not visit them I'm telling you that's what I'm preaching about tonight we stand there and listen while some brother or some sister is torn apart amen they're ripped apart verbally they are put down they're made fun of they're laughed at they're shamed and we just stand there I'm going to tell you, the Lord said, when you do it to to one of the least of these, you've done it to me. And when you refuse to do it on behalf of one of the least, you have refused to do it for me. When you stand and hear someone else verbally crucify a brother or a sister. And you don't intervene. You've just allowed them to hang the Lord on the cross again. That's what he said. Here's the way James put it in James 4 and
1: 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin.
0: To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him that knoweth to do good, is it good? For me to come to my brother's rescue? Is it good for me to stop the mouths of those that want to run my sister down? Is it good for me to come to the defense of my church? Is it good for me to stand up to get some backbone and say you're not going to say those things around me? Is that good? The Bible said to him that knows to do good and does it not to him? It is sin. I'm nearly finished tonight, musicians. You can come. I want to read the last verse on your list tonight. I'm going to close with that. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Romans. Romans. Paul said this in Romans one and thirty two.
1: Who knowing, the judgment, Who knowing God, the judgment of God that they which commit such things they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the they service. not only
0: do those things, but
1: have pleasure in them that do them,
0: but they have pleasure right. in them that do them. There are some people that never speak a word against someone else, but they sure enjoy hearing it while others do it. And I'm telling you, God condemns you as an accessory. To the crime. You may not be killing, you may be just consenting. But it was in Saul's heart. He may have never thrown a rock at Stephen, but it was in his heart. And we see that because while he was consenting, while he was mentally and emotionally applauding what happened, it motivated him to go and wreak havoc everywhere. He was doing his part to stir up strife. He may not have killed Stephen, but he sure consented to it. I want to tell you, saints of God, it's not enough that we're able to say, I didn't throw a rock. I don't want keep the clothes clean so someone else can be a hypocrite well you know they're running their brothers and sisters down you know they're running the church down you know they're running the pastor down and you don't do one thing about it you know what you're doing you're holding on to their clothes so when they are done They can put their outer garments back on and walk through the church with their heads held high. You've just covered for their sin. Don't point your finger at a brother or sister and say they're a hypocrite if you're going to listen to gossip. Don't point your finger at another individual, the church and talk about how bad they are if you're going to listen to gossip. Hallelujah. Somebody's got to stand up and say, not here. Not around me. I'm not going to be like Saul's footman and say, oh no, I won't touch them. But if you want to, I'll turn my head. And you go ahead and kill 85 of them. And we'll just stand back and let it happen. I'm making an appeal tonight, church. I think every one of us really ought to search our hearts. I heard Bishop Johnson say one time, the way to have revival is very simple. He said, there's two things. One is when you come to church, have good church. The second thing he said is you got to learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And I'm afraid there's not enough of us that really hate gossip. I want us to get a real hatred in our heart. I want us to get something down inside our spirit that we can't tolerate when people are saying things doing things that would destroy a brother or a sister. There's none of us that are perfect. We've all got our issues. And it's amazing. It's amazing to me, and I've watched. I'm, I'm trying to close. You know, the Bible says there was a man that came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, speak to my brother. Speak to my brother. Tell him he's got to divide the inheritance with me. I'm his brother. What daddy left us, I deserve part of that. Tell him it's only right. And Jesus, instead of speaking to the brother, spoke to him and said, Beware thou of greed. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how many times... I've had people say you need to deal with so and so and when I turn and start to deal with them they don't want that so and so's not here I'll tell them I can't talk to so and so but you're here I can talk to you that doesn't mean I'm not going to talk to so and so but right now while I got you here let me address the hatred in your heart Let me address the bitterness in your spirit. Let me address the lack of forgiveness in your attitude. Now they don't want to hear that. They just want me to speak to their brother. God help us tonight. I'm not asking him to speak to my brother. I'm asking him to talk to me. Show me God the things that I allow the things that I stand by and tolerate show me God let me fix it these altars are open tonight is there anybody that feels like praying is there anybody that wants to talk to the Lord and ask God to search their hearts I know I do I've preached myself under conviction tonight. I want God to help me. I want God to help me. I want God to help me. Let's talk to Him, church.